This is the Nippon Taikyu Cosmopolitan, Japanese endurance racing covered by an American. Welcome back to the Nippon Taikyu Cosmopolitan. After a three-week delay due to some technical difficulties, we are now back for a very delayed Fuji race rundown, plus some other news and pre-weekend updates. So let's get right into it. So let's start off actually with the biggest news actually over these past three weeks. And actually one of my predictions, if you remember, it wasn't in my official preseason predictions, but I did talk about in my sort of tire episode, Michelin could end up leaving the sport at some point. And on May 9th, they actually announced that they are going to pull out of GT500 after the 2023 season. So I'm half right. They didn't completely pull out of the sport. They're keeping with BMW Team Studi in GT300 for the foreseeable future, but they are not going to be with Nissan anymore, which were the only two cars that ran the Michelin tires. So actually Michelin has been in the sport since the 2013 season and worked closely with the Nismo team. But due to um, their competitors in Yokohama and Bridgestone, of course also Dunlop, um, they have struggled in past few years and been losing out to other teams. This is kind of expected by an, a numerous amount of people, including me. While some people have said it's kind of a shock announcement. But I don't think so. I mean, staying around with only three cars on the grid, that's that's not a very good use of the team's time. And of course, Michelin themselves and all the employees that have to work that can be relocated to other Michelin motorsports divisions. So that begs the question, what is Nissan going to do now? Which tire manufacturer are they going to go to? Of course, they do have a whole year to work that out, but I think they're going back to Bridgestone. They've always had that close relationship with them. And even with their trial season with Michelin back in 2010, they still had that close relationship with Bridgestone. So Nissan has no Bridgestone users in GT300 it can offer up. So it is going to kind of be sort of the next season's going to be a test for the Nismo team. What can they do? Because you know, a lot of the other Nissan teams are pretty close to GT500 in terms of handling, how it deals with the tires. They are basically the same car, but with more power, more aero, and a faster car. So they could, of course, try them out, but thing is, as it was sort of quote-unquote a shock announcement mid-season, not really, oh, we're going to pull out in 2025 or 2026, they don't have the time to get any of their GT300 Nissan GTRs uh, to try out the tires and see what they think of them. So it's kind of going to be a big test, but due to that relationship with Bridgestone, and of course, you can say somewhat they know what the tires are like. Of course, the Bridgestone tires have changed throughout the years, but of course, they are still Bridgestone tires, so they have 
some similarities to those previous tires. And of course, just working with the brand helps out the relationship. So you already have that relationship there. That's where I think they're going to go back to. I don't really think they're going to go anywhere else. So my biggest question actually was that Honda Civic. As you know, the rules were pushed back. Honda is going to move from their NSX over to a Civic that doesn't look like a Civic. Actually, I did kind of look at it before this, some pictures, and it somewhat does. It still doesn't remind me of a Type R at all. But, so, um, with Honda, we do kind of have an update here. So, they kind of went pretty unorthodox actually with this car to begin with if you don't know it's a front wheel drive four-door road car compared to the two-door rear wheel drive of the nsx this isn't something i'd expect out of honda it's something i'd expect out of nissan when they made that uh front engine front wheel drive lmp1 car where they ended up being completely surprised that they kept finishing at the bottom of the field in lmp1 in the world endurance championship anyway we don't care about the design this was ages ago so they said that they're not still even sure what they're gonna do with this car yet with the pushback so, but there are some rumors, though, that they could end up, of course, still using the car next season or continuing with the NSX. What I think, though, is they'll probably continue with the NSX. Every team already has them. They're not really going to change anything, so they're going to continue with that. That is my guess. Another one, which was actually going to go into next week's episode... By the way, no episode on Monday. This is the one for Monday. I don't want to record after watching 16 of the 24 hours of Nürburgring. So I was actually going to talk about um, sort of what's going to happen with Class 1. So if you don't know what Class 1 is, it's a deal between DTM and Super GT to create kind of the fastest touring cars, closed cockpits on the planet that aren't prototypes. DTM used to run Class 1s, which looked exactly like GT500s, and actually go under the same regulations. So let's say Arta wanted to go to DTM. If they wanted to, they could. No real issues there, except maybe tires. But due to the lack of manufacturers recently, um, DTM has switched to GT3s. So we only had two manufacturers in DTM, BMW and somebody else, I don't remember. But they moved to GT3s. So that only leaves Super GT as the only one that runs Class 1. But they are actually going to meet again to renegotiate and rediscuss what they're going to do about Class 1. Because this doesn't only affect uh, DTM after, well, their series is kind of going under at this point with GT3s. I mean, I know this is unrelated to the podcast, but I just got to say th the series was always the fastest touring cars on the planet. And they're moving to GT3s, which are not the fastest on the planet. Anyway, this does also affect GT500 because you have less manufacturers in GT500, 
so Audi and BMW could come in with their cars and compete in GT500. But good news though, so the head of ADAC Motorsport, uh, Thomas Voss, said there is an extra impetus for a manufacturer to build cars to a new set of regulations if they can be raced in multiple series around the world. And that kind of uh, shows what I was going to talk about is could Class 1 go somewhere else since DTM is now gone? Could they pair with someone else? So it's more or less sort of like what are they going to do to expand it? With DTM kind of going under at the moment, not guaranteed since they are going to be meeting can they get some of these cars and convert them into LMDH rules at the top class in the World Endurance Championship or the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship? So even though DTM still runs GT3s, they're going to discuss this. And this could end up shifting into how do you bring Class 1 back to DTM? So we're going to have to see how that goes. That could also update on what's going to happen with DTM and maybe even an influx of manufacturers coming into Super GT. And of course, some teams from GT500 potentially going to the World Endurance Championship, which would be crazy to watch. Anyway, let's move on to that pre-race stuff I was talking about. First... Super GT is revising their full course yellow pit rules after a bunch of Okoyama penalties. So after Okoyama, it is now the pit lane will be closed from the moment the yellow flags are waved at the start of a 10 second cooldown that precedes the start of the full course yellow 80 kilometers an hour speed limit. Nothing major, should just update you on that. That will be there for the foreseeable future. The biggest news though is that Pacific is actually going to miss Fuji. I'm saying that like it's uh, going to come up. I wrote this um, ahead of time and then added the race in. But as you now know, we are three weeks delayed. But about that, if you didn't see, Pacific Racing did skip the last race. If you didn't notice that, the number 9 Mercedes-AMG GT3 had a pretty big crash and too much damage, too much work for them to make Fuji. So that's the end of the news and pre-weekend updates. Let's move on to the actual race rundown. So, let's first start off with qualifying. I don't like to really cover it in depth, but let's look at qualifying. Let's start with the GT500s. Lowest on the grid, two highest. Last was the number 39, then the 64, then the 38, then the 137, which was kind of a surprise, a Tom's car all the way down there. The number 23, the number 3, the number 17, the number 8, the number 36, number 24, number 14, number 16, number 19, and the number 100 Stanley NSX on pole. Let's begin now with GT300. In last 
22, the number 30, 360, 23rd was the number 27, then the 30, then the 7, then the 20, then the 61, then the 244, the 50, the 87, the 18, the 5, the 25, the 6, the 60, the 96. Right inside the top 10, in 9th, the 65, the 10, the 11, the 88, the 2, the 52, the 4, the 31, then on pole was the number 56, Realize Nissan. That was a quick rundown of the qualifying. So let's move on to the race. Of course, as always, it's a really good race at Fuji. As always, this is one of two with one later in the year, which will be an updated prediction because I said the GT500s will be quicker than the LMDH pole sitter at the Fuji round. So first, let's go with the eight of the Arta car. They ran out of fuel, continuing the squad's terrible luck, and they had to crawl back to the pits. Meanwhile, the number 16 gets a penalty, and both cars drop outside of the podium, and one of the cars drops out of the top 10. And that one was the number 8 that dropped out of the top 10, with the number 16 getting a P10, only one point. So, the number 36 Tom Supra, after coming back from a double disaster for Toms at the first round at Okoyama, they end up carrying the car to the win and hoping to keep that title fight alive. Let's hope they can, because I got some predictions here on the line. So they actually started all the way down in P6 with a mix of good strategy mixed with the car being pretty good as we saw at the first round before their uh, terrible situation with penalties and just bad strategy moved them up to take the win in gt300 the number 56 actually holds on to their pole to win by only about half a second um there were only two cars that actually finished that race on the first uh lap and that was of course, the 56, then the number two Muta Racing. Everybody else finished a lap down or two laps down, with a few who were able to finish the race going all the way six laps down with three DNFs, which were the upgrade NSX, number 18, the number four Good Smile Hatsune Miku car, and then the 87 Bamboo Airways Lamborghini GT3. Continuing with GT300, let's look at J-Lock. Of course, as you know, they I have a prediction that they're going to break out of the mid-pack, finish top five, and they're getting closer to that. That number 88 finishes sixth after starting P6. So they held on, no issues by them, and they continue to really make up throughout the field, and hopefully... Uh, my prediction will be right. So let's actually look more with the two Arta cars since this was absolutely horrendous on their end. So first, with just two laps to run left, 
the number 8 of Tomoki Nojiri and Toshiki Oyu dropped out of 3rd place. That's when they ran out of fuel. You can run out of fuel at the beginning. Well, not right at the beginning, because then you definitely did something wrong. But if you did it halfway through the race and you ran out of fuel, you have that chance to come back. But when it's towards the end, you have no chance. If something goes wrong, the beginning or the end, you're completely screwed. Because you gotta go through those GT300s if it's at the start, if it's at the end. You don't have those extra laps to really push and adjust your strategy. So they did still investigate that. There has yet to actually be an update on if it actually ran out like they thought or if it was an error. Because on one hand, they did say they put extra fuel in the car or there was really actually no fuel left at all. So they're going to see that hopefully for Arta. It's either it was a system error with the sensor or they actually did run out of fuel. Because guess what? If it's not those two, there is something wrong with the car that they don't know. And they got to fix that or it's going to happen again. The other 16, well, that's not very good for them. They had a high of fifth with a massive penalty. They dropped down outside of the points for a minute, but then moved up to get that 10th place, which, of course, for Arto is basically no points for them. So that was because they actually did a pit stop under a red flag, which you cannot do. So... I'm not really sure what happened there, if they actually did a stop under the red flag or the red flag came out while they were doing the stop. I have no idea. That was three weeks ago. Um, next time, I will make sure I check and update on the next episode. So let's move on to Subaru, another squad that did not have a good weekend. So in the GT300 title fight, who I kind of had going for that title, um, like everybody else, they're not good. I don't know what's going on with them at the beginning of this season, but they're struggling, and they failed to score points in both of the first two rounds of the season, which is not good. This is a top squad with a top car, and they're struggling to score points. This isn't bad luck penalties or <laughs> running out of fuel like the Artas. No, they're just, they're slow. They had fuel consumption woes, but they didn't run out of fuel. So it just seems like the car's not up to where they need to be. And then they had electronics issues. It just seems the car has issues. It seems to be unreliable. And with only eight rounds, those fir first two rounds, you need to get top results in the remaining six to actually go for a title run. That's the thing about this series. You need to be on top every single race. You can't sacrifice a race, unlike F1, where you got 23 rounds. You can DNF one round, but here, you only got eight. You need to make sure you're consistent, and that's why you have some of the best most consistent drivers in the world in this series. You need to work on that reliability, getting the car where it needs to be, because guess what? Reliability is as important as your performance, because there's going to be a few guys who DNF, and you make up free positions with that. 
So whatever the problem is, if they're just slow or they have some some issues going on, or if it's just a fluke entirely, they gotta fix that if they want a chance. The last one though um, was our first race winners, um, which was Nissan. So Bertrand Baguette, the reigning Super GT champion with that same squad. Um, with a ninth place finish called that unacceptable after the first round. Uh, they didn't have a good race either. It seemed like just top teams all over the grid did not have a good race going. So they said, uh, we are not happy at all to be where we are. We're the defending champions and we shouldn't be so far away. Granted, uh, we're okay. This kind of counteracts what I just said. You need to be on top every single race. But compared to Subaru, which there's definitely something wrong with them, Nissan's showing really good pace. And of course, they did say some of it was luck at Okoyama. But with a win under their belt and that one too, uh, I don't think they really have anything to worry about unless if it was massive luck. Like I said, and my far right field prediction of them <laughs> finishing in the mid-pack, um will not be good so we're gonna have to see with that he didn't like where they ended up so we're gonna have to see if this continues or if it's just a fluke i think it's a fluke they'll be back on top next race let's actually do our first standings rundown since we are two races into the year let's first look at the top teams i don't care about the teams towards the bottom so let's go with GT300 to start with. Okay, I did say I don't care about the the lower level teams, but the Hoppy team is last of full-time teams. Of course, we had a few like Pacific who only got one race under their belt and Muta who only actually competed in this race at Fuji. They're last. What a surprise. J-Lock out here, who I know I don't really have a team in GT300, but making this crazy prediction of them moving into the top five, J-Lock's my squad. I think this year, may, maybe in the future for all we know, but let's look at this. So they are actually sitting in P10 right now. So they got 24th in that first race. Not good by them, but of course they got that P6. They are sitting on five points, three-way tie between BMW Team Studi and the number six Team Le Mans, who got P21 first race, then a P7. Leading it, actually, is the number 65 R&D Leon car with 24 points, then it's Condo, then Team Up Garage, who actually won the first race of the year, then retired, so... That definitely proves how important it is to stay on top. Because even though they got that win, that dropped them down quite a bit with only having 20 points now and 4 points off the lead. Let's move up to what I like the most, GT500 fastest cars on the planet that are closed cockpit. So Condo Racing actually isn't last they have no points, which is kind of a surprise. They're a solid team. They're around the mid-pack. 
So let's see if they can make a comeback too throughout this year or they're going to continue to struggle. With Arta's uh, terrible luck going on, the number 16 sits in P13. So that's not good on their end. They only have one point. The number 37 Toms, same thing. Pretty bad luck. They sit 11th. We're only going to able to scrap out a P6 this last round at Fuji. They're going to be hoping for more and maybe be able to be at that top of the field. But let's look at Team Impul. So that number one car, they sit eighth right now with their poor result. And that, of course, is another reason. Backs me up, even though Bertrand was quite mad and I was like, oh, they'll return to the top of the field. This kind of does kind of um, prove that you have to be at the top no matter what. I will continue to say that because that's really important in this series. Even the World Endurance Championship has more rounds than this. They have nine now. So even though it's just one more, this is one of the shortest series on the planet race-wise. So you got to be on the top. The number 23 Nismo car, though, they're at the top with that win at Okoyama then 7th in that Fuji round. Good by them. And NDDP Racing. Kind of a surprise here on my end. They're sitting 2nd. 4 points back with 21. Then there's that number 36 Toms. Who I said could fight for the title. And they're in position to do so. They're sitting on 20 points in P3. Then finally the number 8 Artakar. Sitting in 7th. Bad luck in that second round. They got a podium first race. They have 11 points. So with that, those are the most important people and teams on the grid, in my opinion, sitting in certain positions throughout the grid, whether it's good or bad for them. Let's move on to my preseason predictions. Besides GT300, 5 up, 5 down. We'll be covering all my preseason predictions besides my tire ones because we already know the end of that. So I will cover an in-depth episode on GT300 5 up 5 down and an in-depth analysis of where the teams are and what they could do better to increase where they are. We'll actually do that after the second round at Fuji. That is going to be the 6th of August and right before Suzuka two weeks after meanwhile let's move on so starting off was the pull sitter in gt500 will put up faster qualifying rounds at both fuji rounds than the lmdh pull sitter in the world endurance championship weck has not raced yet at fuji that's towards the end of the year so we don't have that yet but i did write down all the pull times in a different document We'll compare both rounds. Once that ends, get an average for the top three. And then we'll compare that to the World Endurance Championship when that happens. Second was both Artakars, the number 16 of Nairei Fukuzuma and Hiroki Otsu. And the number 8 of Tomoki Nojiri and Toshiki Oyu will be in a close season-long fight for the driver's title. Along with both the Tom Supras number 36 and number 37 in GT500. 
that right now is not happening. A mix of terrible luck. That's really the only reason why some of these guys are in the mid-pack or towards the bottom. They've just had bad luck, penalties, reliability. But the thing is, one of those Arta cars, of course, is towards the top. They're only five points off. That's the number 36 Tom's. Sorry, excuse me, not Arta. Arta's not having a great start. 7th and 13th. So that doesn't look good so far. But we're only two rounds in. The other one has already failed, which was a Nissan in GT500. Won't score a single podium this year. That didn't happen, as you know. It was a 1-2 Nissan car finish at Okoyama, so that went right down the drain after the first race of the year. The number 88 J-Lock car will break out of the mid-pack and finish top 5 in GT300. They're not there yet, but they're showing decent pace so far. That 88 car currently sits P10 in the standings, and they have a chance to maybe go top 5, as they are actually only 10 points off of the top 5. This GT300 field has been incredibly competitive, of course with some top teams struggling to really get the ground running. So they still have a chance at that, we'll have to see. Okay, this one is not the good one, but this isn't a long shot. A lot of people were predicting this, and that's the number 61 R&D Sport car winning the GT300 title. With a double non-point scoring finish, it's going to be incredibly hard for them to turn it around and be able to win the title. They need at least a podium next round to continue that potential title fight that I predict, which at the moment... I don't think will happen they won't be able to do it because if this happens one more round but then they turn it around it's really going to be hard for them to be able to only get five rounds of points in to be able to win a title nobody's really done that before and I think that will continue next was team Lamon Roberto Mary will get dropped before the end of the season right now that has not happened he's actually somewhat improving compared to what I said earlier, which I said he probably won't. So, next is the Nissan Nismo team will continue their bad form from last year and preseason testing and not even finish the championship in the top five. So right now they got one car in the top five. They are actually leading the championship at the moment. As I said earlier, that is the number 23 of Matsuda and Ronnie Quintari. The other one is the team Impulcar, the number one, with Bertrand Baguette and Katsuki Hiromini. They're all the way down in P8 right now, but with some bad luck with that last round and just lack of pace, let's see if maybe both those cars can potentially even finish one too. With long shot predictions i got three this season jensen button will fill in for any driver in gt500 for at least one race this year that is yet to happen and it may still happen he's doing some other races so far this year so that could end up happening if a team needs another driver he is a super gt uh champion 
So the next one was Toyota is not sandbagging. Besides the two Tom's cars in GT500, they're going to finish at the back of the field. So it actually seems like they did a really good job with the BOP this season. It seems like everybody's kind of in the mix here. And even we're seeing some uh, NSX cars towards the bottom. So it's a good field so far with the BOP. Sometimes they don't do very well. But so far, that's not doing very well. But of course, this is also a end-of-season prediction. Finally, number 16 Le Mans car will score a shock podium this year in GT300. So that one is the one with Roberto Mary too. So as if you remember, I did say... Maybe if they dropped Roberto Mary or he ended up doing better, which he's actually kind of doing better than he did last season, which is something I wouldn't expect from a guy that old. But right now, the team is sitting 11th with a 21st to start the season, then a P7. So they definitely have that chance, especially, of course, with the fact that, as I said earlier, a lot of those top teams in GT300 are not doing very well. And the field is very, very close. That's the end of this week. It is a little bit longer, but of course we had a bit of about three weeks worth of stuff, plus a delayed race rundown. If you couldn't tell, I was kind of struggling with a lot of stuff. I don't remember a lot of the race. It was three weeks ago. I didn't do a very good job of keeping on top of stuff with the script so we'll be back for next week it'll be better than this one but of course you get some quality stuff this week with pre-weekend updates some other news prediction updates and a pretty eventful race of course i was out for about three weeks due to this microphone and of course the audacity update which is what i use which didn't go very well for whatever reason with my microphone so next weekend will be much better these errors that i had um in here and a lot of redoing to do some of these may still be in here i'm not the greatest at sound editing yet which is something i'm working on this does kind of remind me of my early next upshift days which is funny i'm comparing it to something i did about half a year ago of course if you go back oh that 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 was interesting. My mic volume every week was completely different. There were errors all over the place, but that's just what happens when you start out. But right now, we're at that point where there should be minimal errors. And next week, if there are ones I miss in here, definitely next week will be much better. That's what happens when you're gone for three weeks. But see you all next week. I think I will still cover Class 1, what's going to happen with that, since we did get some extra news with DTM and um, Super GT meeting about the new Class 1 rules. So I'll chuck in some predictions, see if they'll go to the World Endurance Championship, maybe get a couple cars in IMSA at the top category, if they can do anything about that. And I know this is a Super GT podcast, but I'm going to talk a bit about DTM what I see there because it does relate to GT500. So see you all next week.